Good morning, everybody. This is Mark Tackett again at uh, First Baptist Santo, Texas, and this is uh, Laura Weaver. Uh, she is Chris's wife. Uh, she's uh, Eli's and Faith's mom, and uh, Larry and Karen's daughter. And uh, I happened to be on the pastor search committee whenever I first met Laura, and I was super impressed, uh, not only with Chris, but if I remember correctly, Laura did a lot of the talking, and and uh, she brought a lot to the table. Uh, she was very honest. I, at the time, I had no idea how connected she was to this community, to Weatherford, uh, to Santo, through relatives. Even though she wasn't raised here, uh, she has a lot of connections through her family to this area, and I was further time's going along, I found it interesting for someone that was so connected to this area to seem to me like somebody so fresh to this area. And Anyway, so Laura, why don't you uh, just give us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and and uh, uh, maybe your family a little bit. and, and uh... Sure. Uh, so I grew up, um, my, my dad is from Weatherford, so... Um, Spent the first part of childhood in Weatherford, and then we moved to Denton, which is where I spent the majority of childhood, and then through the rest of junior high and high school and graduated high school um, in Denton at a private Christian school. And I grew up going only to private Christian schools. I The only public school I ever went to was kindergarten. Um, that was that was in Weatherford, Sam Houston Elementary. But um, and then um, graduated uh, from Liberty Christian School in 2002, and then went on to Howard Payne University in Brownwood, Texas, uh, which is where my parents went, mm-hmm. uh, which is where my brother went, my sister, my sister's husband, my cousin. And yeah. that is all I can think of off the top of my head. But pretty much my whole family, we're we're kind of we're Howard Payne Yellow Jackets, and we love we love Brownwood and we love Howard Payne. But and then uh, met Chris uh, at Howard Payne at the end of my freshman year, which is pretty remarkable because Howard Payne's really small, and I didn't know him until the last week of school. Wow. We even took a class together. Um, and the class sizes are pretty small, but um, I still didn't, I, I had never met him. I, I didn't know who he was until the last week. And uh, then he wrote me letters while I worked at Pine Cove uh, that summer, uh, because you're not oh, allowed to use phones at Pine Cove um, during the week. It is completely restricted. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that was like 20 years ago, but I bet it's still the same way. Um, so I only talked to him like on Saturdays and then he wrote me letters and then we didn't actually start dating until we got back to school in the fall, uh, dated for two and a half years, got engaged the summer before our senior year and got married our senior year. And here we are. Well, that's, that's pretty awesome. Short what were some things you enjoyed doing in college? I mean, I, did, I had no idea you were at Pine Cove. That's pretty, I that's pretty neat. I loved Pine Cove. Um, <clears throat> so in college, I um, if it sounded good, I just signed up. So <laughs> freshman year and sophomore year, I did everything. And then I realized 
I can't do everything. So I need what to are do, some of those everything? Uh, I was a cheerleader at Howard Payne, which I did do that all throughout college, um, which is a big time commitment. Mm-hmm. And also why mm-hmm. I kind of lost touch with people that I knew from Denton, because on the weekends when all of my friends were going to like A&M and Baylor and like getting back together, I couldn't mm-hmm. do that because I had to cheer. So, and that, these are like the years before Facebook or right. before our school had Facebook because we were very small. Uh, So I kind of lost track a little bit of my big city roots and um, really planted roots deep in in Brownwood. And I did cheerleading. I did uh, student government. um, I did uh, sorority. I was president Mm -hmm. of my sorority. um, And I was... Almost, almost everything, and and then it, it kind of tapered off each year mm-hmm. as I, right. you know, more kind of honed in on who I was and what what the Lord had called me to. So. Right, you know the um, you're a pastor's wife, and you know it's I will just say this it that whenever Chris and Laura came to our church, we we didn't just get a pastor, we got a pastor, we got his his wife, which is a super big component to the ministry here that Laura's plugged in, in the church, in the community. Uh, and what does it, what does it mean to you to be a pastor's wife or to, uh, how do, how do you manage that part of your life? I know that each, uh, each husband and wife team that I've, I've met in ministry do it differently because mm-hmm. um, God calls us each differently according to our gifts. Mm-hmm. So uh, with that being said, um, the way Chris and I feel called is that we are both 100% committed to the ministry. Mm-hmm. It's not his job. It's right. not my uh, job. This is why we are on earth. This is our purpose. Mm-hmm. This is, this is it. I mean, I don't, uh, I, I know that, uh, others and, uh, there are working moms out there that are amazing and they are called to, uh, be nurses or doctors or counselors or teachers, mm-hmm. and they're doing amazing things. Um, so I struggled with that for a few years because I thought, well, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not drawing a paycheck. I'm not, <laughs> I don't have right. something to like, whenever I write back into my high school, you know, they're always mm-hmm. asking for outstanding alumni. I think, well, I'm not an outstanding alumni because I'm not, uh, cause I'm not a, a school teacher or I'm not, or for years people would ask me like, um, in ministry, oh, so your husband is a pastor, so what grade do you teach? Not, mm-hmm. are you a teacher, but what grade? <laughs> right. And that is not where I am gifted. And for a long time, I thought it's because um, there was something wrong with me. And, you know, well, why? Why am I not that way? But our our view is very much so into the community. Um, I love women's ministry. I love serving people um, hospitality-wise or with food or, you know, so anywhere that any of those things apply, I really try to, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of 
kind of where we're at. And um, so over the last few years, I feel like the Lord's really encouraged me to not focus on the things that I'm not gifted at, right. not, not get discouraged with that, because not everybody is gifted at everything. You, you can't be. So I'm just trying to focus on where I feel like the Lord's called me. Well, uh, one thing I will throw out that I have witnessed since you've been here is is that one morning you you got up and and was part of the music oh. <laughs> on the yeah, stage and as t- <coughs> as time went on it's as if you just became a different person your your voice is incredible and and it was at first it was almost as if you were you were not ashamed, but you were uh, not sure of yourself about oh, using yeah. it. And then all of a sudden, here comes this this strong, uh, beautiful voice. It just keeps getting stronger and stronger. Do you, do, were were you, you surprised? Because at yeah. the time, I, I visited with your dad, <laughs> and he was like, wow, we didn't know that was in there. I mean, that was what he said to me. He, yeah. he said always, or maybe I thought it was in there, but... You know, there was something keeping it from coming out. Yeah, I think... Was that always there and you knew it was and you yeah, were afraid to I share think so. it? Or? Yeah, pretty much because I I, um, I always had this fear that what other people would think. Like, I had a, a fear that I never wanted to be someone that um, kind of stood up on a Sunday morning and was like, everyone look at me, you know, right. you're welcome for my presence here. <laughs> you know, I just, I had just had this fear, like, what are people going to think? Are they going to think that I'm just like selfish or like wanting right. attention or, and it was just that constant fear that held me back with like, and I think also, I don't know anything about music. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, li- I know nothing. I, I never sang in a choir. I never, I never played even a note in band. I was never in band. I never, nothing. And so I think just those insecurities too, thinking like, well, I really genuinely don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so, Well, um, for somebody that might be listening to this and might be struggling with those same thoughts, were those fears real? Um, I think that that's what Satan does. He's really good at uh, taking a little bit of truth mm-hmm. mixed with, a whole lot of lies. So yes, it's it's true. I, I don't know anything about music. That's true. I haven't had experience or anything like that. But all the things that I'm afraid that other people are going to think or whatever, uh, and actually that may be true too, but it doesn't matter because if God's called you to something. Right. And what's really called. important is what God says about it. That's right. And That's God right. also has a tendency to use, a lot of times what we think are our weaknesses mm-hmm. become our strengths too. That's true. So that's pretty interesting. Well, I and I've felt this for years at church, thinking like, oh, maybe I should. And and but there's never been like that moment where it was. There's never been like a, a moment where somebody was like, well, did some does someone want to sing? And you know, I, it was it, it just never made sense. Never, never mm-hmm. made sense. And I know even after I started singing here, and a couple of our friends from. Uh, you know, New Mexico and uh, from the little town we were in in right. Comanche, they were like, what is happening? <laughs> no and because I never, I also, I mean, like I said, I was never even in the choir. I was always right. like, oh, no. That's so, really good. It's like 
you know, yeah. they've never heard anything of that. And then years later, it's like, well, where did that come from? I don't know. And I don't know. I just, I, I think it was mostly the encouragement of my dad. My dad always thought it, in, to his fault, actually, in an embarrassing way, he always thought I could do anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it so far as, you know, I, I used to tell him, you know, I'm not as, I'm not as talented as you think I am. I'm not that person. I'm not, you know, and he would say, oh, Laura, you are hiding this gift or you're hiding that gift or you could do this or Laura, why, why don't you do this? And, and I, it was always so foreign to me to think, you know, I could never, you know, dad, I could never do those things, but he was always always there i remember i mean i i genuinely got upset with him several times i mean which just like to the point where he he said you know okay fine i won't bring it up again i won't then he did but he waited a little bit (laughs) he always did right well it probably makes you good at encouraging others i hope so um to have anyway well uh do you uh your background, how did you come to know the Lord? Uh, so uh, my mom and dad always um, always took us to church and, and, you know, you heard that story a million times, you know, oh, I grew up in the church. I really did. Um, you know, we were there when the doors opened, we were there, you know, cleaning up mm-hmm. after the potluck. I mean, we were there. We're always there. I remember even one one Sunday, uh, oh, this happened several Sundays. One specific one, though, I told my dad, I said, I, don't, I really don't feel good. I don't think I want to go to church today. And he said, oh, great. Well, you're going to feel bad wherever you're at, so you might as well be in the Lord's house. I was like, oh, you know, it's just, it was, we're just always, always there. So when I was small, I always thought of it as something that we had to do. Mm-hmm. And it didn't make sense. You know, it was just like, this is, we just have to do this. We have to do it. It's not, it's not a once a month thing. It is every time the doors are open, sign us up for that. We are there. But then, um, I realized when I was about seven that I understood sin for the first time. And I understood my need for a savior. I understood. And how did that come about? Was that... Was that God speaking to you? Yes, for sure. Uh, We were at a revival, and uh, my brother and my sister both made decisions to follow the Lord, and they got baptized. I always wanted to do everything that they did. Mm -hmm. It it spoke to me always. And so I think that's what my parents were cautious about, that they didn't want it to be something that I was just doing because... Right. Now, are they younger or older than you? Both older. Both older. My brother's the oldest, and then my sister, and then me. And so I just always wanted, especially my brother, I always wanted to do whatever he was doing. Not so much my sister, but my brother for sure. I always thought whatever he was doing was really cool. Um, and I, I felt convicted, um, which I didn't know that's what that was at, at the time. I just felt horrible. And, and I also felt mostly a fear of going to hell because I remember the, the preacher that day was really, you know, he was a Baptist preacher in a small church. In Weatherford, and it was like, mm-hmm. you know, fire and brimstone. And so, as a seven-year-old, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I don't want to go to hell. I don't, you know." And it just terrified me. So um, every night for like until until I was nine, I I prayed 
asked Jesus to come into my heart because I was scared. Mm-hmm. And um, then whenever I was I was nine, I, I told my parents, I said, I really, really, really think I'm ready. Really, and it wasn't them that told me I wasn't ready. It was a, the pastor that we had at the time. He, he just wasn't quite sure that I was, mm-hmm. you know, there yet understanding. And so anyway, um, so I, I did, I made that decision and my dad is the one that baptized me because he was a licensed ordained minister. And I remember I stood on a cinder block so everybody could see me. It was really short <laughs> and in the baptistry and, uh, he baptized me on an Easter Sunday in 1993. And, um, you know, and then I, as a teenager, I started to begin to understand grace because uh, and my need for it because of my own sin. Because I think as a child, you feel convicted. Mm-hmm. And certainly God can speak and does to children and convicts us when, when we have done something not pleasing to him. But I think as you mature in Christ, your understanding of your desperate need for grace grows Mm -hmm. Uh, because honestly I didn't think that I really needed that much grace I thought like oh well you know I get it but but then as I realized how totally unable to control right (laughs) certain aspects of my life and my my sin where I realized okay this is not something that I can do really I I can't do this on my own I really can't so well, uh, the, uh, I'm going to throw a little bit of scripture in here, and it's uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. I ran across this just a couple of days ago, and it says, but those who, different versions will say hope, trust, or wait. So, so but those who either hope, trust, or wait upon the Lord will renew their strength, or they will find new strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. I uh, also uh, read a little background about, about eagles in that when a storm is coming, an eagle will fly up to a high point, And then when the storm's coming, they will actually fly into the storm. And somehow they're able to lock their wings in a position that they will soar and they will use the force and the fierceness of the storm to actually lift themselves up, and they will rise up above the storm. And I uh, found that really f- refreshing because that's what we should do uh, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, those that hope and trust and wait on the Lord. Uh, I wrote down the key here is who or what we uh, we put our, our faith and our hope and our trust in. So who do we who do we put that trust in? And then it's also important to wait because a lot of times it says um, that it's in my mind it's God's timing because it doesn't mean and here the last month or so I keep I've come to the realization that, you know, we go through storms of life. A lot of people right now are probably thinking that the world is in chaos, that we go through storms in life. And uh, the one thing I keep saying to myself is that the Lord didn't say, promise that he is going to take us out of the storm necessarily, but he did promise that he would walk 
with us through the storm. Um, what would how do how do you relate to those those particular words? Well, I think um, you know I, I've I've learned a lot um, about the Lord and walk through you know we we walked through a very difficult time in in ministry a few years ago um a lot of and there was a lot of hurt and um and so i i think chris and i both have have learned a lot about leaning into the lord during difficult times mm-hmm. and there is a there's a difference though in in things that are happening that are difficult that you don't understand and then there's like a another level with you know uh with pain and suffering that it's almost like i've been reading um anxious for nothing by max lucado Mm -hmm. really a great book and he he was talking about how that sometimes in life um we'll have what's called a perfect storm, you know, just like mm-hmm. what happened to the disciples out on the water right. that, you know, so many, it's not just one thing. So you've got something happens here and then another thing and then another thing. And all of those things combined creates the perfect storm. And so, and any of those difficult situations on their own would be hard but sometimes in life, it's not just, you, you know, uh, as we get older, I feel like we think like, oh, well, this is, this is very difficult. Mm-hmm. This is very difficult. And then, you know, um, the next week, something else is add on, added on and you're thinking, okay, okay. And this, and this is also very difficult. And then something, and then mm-hmm. you just feel like you're getting, you know, blow after blow and those are the times where what you say you believe and what you actually believe um, comes to the surface. Mm-hmm. So for my whole life, I always believed that <clears throat> I know that we live in a broken world. I know that bad things happen to good people. I know that no matter what happens, that God is going to be with me. Um, I know all of these things, but, um, you know, Last year, when my dad had his accident and went to heaven, um, all of a sudden, it, and I'm still, we're not, we're not quite up to the year anniversary, but I'm still, almost on a daily basis, have a moment where I think, what, <laughs> you know, what happened? Mm-hmm. Where I mean, really, you something so severe happens in your life that is so shocking that you, it takes your breath away and you think uh did how i mean what you try to make sense of it you know and so you know this this verse is 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 good good stuff because um you know it's one thing to to read something in the bible but it's another thing to for the lord to say uh, okay now let's walk it let's live it out right uh, another scripture was one of the fir- first ones I memorized was all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And uh, uh, it was one of the first scriptures I memorized. And I just remember it because uh, the first store that I put in uh, many years ago, our pharmacy, 
we got broke into. And it was just a mess when I walked in and that scripture came to my mind. And I'm and at that time, I'm, I'm thinking, well, wow, that's all things, even this works together for good to those that love God, to them that, that are called according to his purpose. And I forgot to say this, Isaiah 40, 31, when I started pharmacy school, I did like all you know, young college students, I went to the bookstore, and back then, there, I bought a poster, and I remember now, and I just thought of that this morning, that it was an eagle on a cliff, and it had those words, and at the time, I really didn't have, you know, I, may, I went to church, but I wasn't really plugged in, and, uh, but I remember reading those words, because even, not even realizing, I mean, I saw the, the, Notation at the bottom, Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Uh, they will rise up with wings like eagles. They will, will run and not get weary. They will walk and not grow faint. Even, even in a secular word, world, those words help with strength. Um, kind of bringing this thought pattern uh, into the day and day. Uh, we live in a world where there uh, is so much anxiety. Uh, there's lots of depression. Mm -hmm. And suicide is on the rise. I mean, that's, uh, uh, I think, Cook's children in Fort Worth, That's they're saying that that's these kids are being brought in and it's dominating some of the things that they're, that they're seeing. Uh, how would you relate this to the world, what would you say to the world? Anybody that might be listening that's suffering from these, how? What hope is there for them? Well, that there is hope. Um, so after the birth of our firstborn, Faith, I struggled with postpartum depression, which I did not understand that's what it was until she was almost two. Uh, so I, I mean, I really, really waited very, a very long time. Um, until I almost could not function. I mean, there was, uh, uh, it was hard for me to find mm -hmm. hope. I couldn't even remember who I was in the Lord. I didn't, I didn't, uh, it, it, was, it was a very difficult, dark time. And so, you know, from a medical background, I, I believe a lot of times it has to do with hormones, mm -hmm. you know, between the relationship between Absolutely. estrogen and progesterone, mm -hmm. which progesterone is really high when you're pregnant, and it's a it makes a, a woman actually feel good, and then after, it their relationship is what controls everything. So that, mm -hmm. you know, medically that's that's probably what was going mm -hmm. on. I just felt ashamed, just as a it, Chris was a youth pastor at the time, and I just felt like. Almost even to the point where I, he, I mean, he definitely knew something was wrong, but that I couldn't even talk to him about it because I thought, what if he, he's disappointed in me that he, you know, thinks that I'm just not in my Bible enough. Mm -hmm. if, if I'm not trying, I'm not praying hard enough. I'm not doing all the things that I should be doing. And it was actually my dad and who has struggled, who struggled with depression all of his life that said, uh, there is nothing to be ashamed of. And, and my sister too, I was, remember the day that I called the doctor, she said, I'm, I'm going to wait right here by the phone for you to call me right back and tell me what time your appointment is. Mm -hmm. And that's what it took. 
I mean, because I was not, you know, I, I was terrified <laughs> and so ashamed. I finally went to the doctor mm -hmm. and I am still on antidepressants actually, because I have struggled. Even when we walked through that time with, uh, with our, uh, a previous church, it's really, really difficult stuff. I mean, some heavy right, stuff. Right, and right. when we got to Texas, I thought, hooray, you know, right. <laughs> circumstantial. It was probably circumstantial depression. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, we're good. And then all of a sudden we, we got here and I'm, I met so many wonderful people. And so, I again, I thought, this is great. I mean, I love it here. So the depression, the anxiety, the crippling anxiety, mm -hmm. obviously gonna and it didn't it did not leave and um, I actually went to a counselor for a full year when we first moved here um, to walk through a Christian counselor to walk through some of the stuff that that we went through and and obviously I hadn't dealt with it I had mm -hmm. just just been like well that's the past just because the past is the past doesn't mean it can affect your present and your future You've got to hand that stuff over to the Lord. So there is hope. There is help. And uh, God does have a plan for, for those things. And there's nothing wrong with struggling with depression. There's nothing. You're not sinning. You're not um, a less than person. You're not a weaker person. Um, in fact, I think it, it makes you pretty strong to look that stuff in the face and call it what it is, right. and get help. Um, you said something really important there, too, in that you you almost, almost sounds like we box ourselves in a corner, and we don't allow <coughs> ourselves to open up and talk to other people. Mm -hmm. So you'd made a, you took a step to where you actually uh, started verbalizing maybe what was going on the inside a little bit so so in a world that that has all these things going on and especially things that maybe people don't like or people going through hardships people that you know we went through that that freeze and a lot of people's houses got flooded and just living through chaos trying to get back together that that can that really has an effect on us we should that there's hope and uh, uh, and the Lord has the answer for these things. Well, uh, it's a uh, it's a good day. So, what what are some scriptures that 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 you lean on? Just a couple of them that that are hmm. that help you. So, I I usually um, I'll take a couple of scriptures. For, or maybe just one for like a whole week and just meditate on mm -hmm. one and go back. So like if I was using Isaiah 40, 31, I would go word by word okay. and ask the Lord to to speak to me yeah. through that. Um, so I kind of do the same thing. Yeah. So I'd have to say this morning, there's two things that you, well, no, let's say three things that you love. Uh, you love the Lord. You love your family, mm -hmm. and you love coffee. I do love coffee. <laughs> it's great. All right. Well, would you like to close us this morning sure. in a prayer? Sure, I will. Lord, thank you so much for today, God. We thank you that we can just gather and, and speak your name and admit that we do not have all the answers. And, 
we do not have it all together, God, but um, we know that you do. And God, I pray that you would um, help those listening um, have hope and know that it's okay to, to ask for help because everyone needs help. That's what makes us human. And um, that's what makes us need you. And God, I pray that you would um, just extinguish the guilt and the shame that um, comes with struggling with um, with certain things. God, I pray that you would help those uh, those folks identify what those things are, so that they can hand them over to you and move on, uh, God. Because you have a purpose and a plan for each of us. And um, the longer that we beat ourselves up, um, the, the longer we are going to waste, God. And I know that you have exciting things for, for each of us, which is what makes you such a good God, that, um, that you care uh, about us so deeply. God, we love you so much. It's here in my prayer. Amen. Amen. Amen.